Well, what's up, Element Church? So glad that all of you are here with us today. If you're new here, my name's Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. For those of you joining us on video as well, I want to say hello to you. If you're watching online, do us a favor and share this video with as many of your social media friends as you can. That would be amazing and a huge, huge favor to us. Last week, you might remember, was Compassion Sunday here at Element. It's the, the time where we hope every year to be able to highlight the ministry of Compassion International. They are a child sponsorship organization that serves the needs of children and families who live in extreme poverty all around the world. We had the Compassion experience here as well last week out in our parking lot. That was absolutely amazing. Hope you had a chance to go through uh, that. I just wanted to celebrate that between the Compassion experience and then Compassion Sunday, collectively together, uh, there are now 163 new children sponsored through Compassion, which is amazing, unbelievable. And so I just want to say thank you to those of you uh, who were able to step out in generosity and make that sacrifice uh, to support a child and their family. I want to say thank you to those of you that, that couldn't as well. I know many of you uh, wanted to. You prayed about it. You thought about it. You looked at your budget. And I know it's a lot of money, 38 bucks a month for a lot of people. You weren't able to, but you really did pray through that. So I want to thank you as well just for the consideration of making that uh, a part of your life. One of the ladies that was uh, here with Compassion, uh, with, with the Compassion Experience. She was here with her husband all weekend long. They're from down south uh, somewhere. Uh, they came to one of our services last Sunday. They travel 42 weeks a year, setting up and tearing down the Compassion Experience. And uh, as they were uh, tearing down their equipment on Tuesday morning, she came into the office and she told us as a staff, she said, well, I really don't want to leave this place. From the moment we pulled onto the parking lot, she said, I told my husband, this just feels feels like home. Isn't that cool? So cool. Love hearing that. One of the reasons I love hearing that is that's one of our core values, a place to call home. And here she was from the South, no idea who we are, never met us, but from pulling onto our property, she knew this was a place she could call home. We're in this sermon series uh, about our core values called This Is Us. We're walking through all six of our core values. If you've missed any of the weeks, you want to catch up on a sermon, or if you want to share one of our messages with someone in your life, you can always do that at our website, elementchurchwy.com, or you can get the free Element Church app or our free podcast. Uh, just use Element Church WY when you're trying to find our information online. To help set up today's message, today's value, I want to share with you something about myself that you may not know, okay? So this might come as a shock to some of you, but here it is. Here's the truth. I'm a pretty decent handyman. Pretty decent handyman. Some of you are already laughing. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> it's true. I'm a, I'm a decent handyman. Like, I can handy the hammer to someone who knows what they're doing. I, I handy the saw, I handy the wrench, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That? Yeah, I, 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 from, from the great words of the, of the movie Tommy Boy, I hope you're picking up on my sarcasm because I'm laying it on pretty thick right now. I am not a handyman. I, I'm handy at calling a man who can fix whatever I broke in our house, but I'm not fixing hardly anything in our house. I, there's a few things I've gotten good at, uh, you know, fixing, doing in, in our home. Like I'm pretty good at changing a ceiling light or a ceiling fan. I've, I've done that. 
And that's about it. That's about all I know how to do around the house. Uh, and I'll never forget the time that uh, we wanted to try to change some electrical outlets in the basement of our house. So at the time, I lived in Gillette, Wyoming with my wife and, and our kids. The house that we lived in was owned by the church I was the youth pastor at. And we want to get rid of uh, what I think are the ugly cream-colored outlets and put in the nice bright white ones that pop, you know, on, on the wall. And I thought, how hard can it be? to change some electrical outlets, right? So, so I did know to turn the power off. I learned the hard way from another project don't have time to tell you about. But I turned the power off to, to the room, to the basement. I undid one of the outlets, and I just thought, if I just hook, hook these outlets back up the exact same way, it shouldn't be a problem. So I started with one in the room. I, I did one, and I did another one, did another one, and I got to this one, and I pulled it out, and the box, the electrical box that the outlet sits in, was literally packed full of wire, knowing, I, mean, I didn't know where it went. Like it was just, I never seen so much wire in my life. So I, I hooked up this outlet the exact same way it was before. And I tried to put it back in the box, but because of all the wire, it wouldn't fit back in, it wouldn't all fit back in. So I thought to myself, self, surely all that wire isn't necessary. <laughs> that, you know, don't need all of it. So if I just cut some of the wire out, the outlet will fit back in. So I looked in there and I started looking at all the wires. I'm like, well, that wire goes, you know, figure out where this might be important. That one, and I looked at one wire. I was like, well, this, this wire doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. Like, why is this wire even in the, who, who hooked up this electricity anyway? So I got out my, my wire cutters, you know, snip, 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 pulled out some of the wire, freed up some room, voila, the outlet goes right back in to the wall. So I, I go to the electrical box, you know, to turn the power back on, and I'm thinking, this is going to be amazing. My wife's going to be blown away. I changed all the outlets, like put the kids' bed to bed early tonight. Like it is my night tonight, right? So I go, and I turn back all the power, and I go back into that room, and there's no power to the room at all. So I go to the room adjacent to it, no power in that room at all. I went through the whole basement. For some reason, I had cut all power to the entire basement of our home. So I, in, in all of my knowledge, tried to fix it myself, and my knowledge was stare at the box and think really naughty words, and so I couldn't fix it that way, and so I called an electrician who was in our church, and literally three electricians later, and several days of no power in our basement, they finally figured out what I had done, and they fixed it. One seemingly insignificant wire among dozens of wires in our house affected the entire basement, and the same is true in our church. I'm not talking about electricity, and no, I wasn't playing with wires two weeks ago when we lost all power to the building. I know some of you are thinking that. That wasn't me. I wasn't cutting wires here at, at the church. I'm, I'm not talking about what we do in the church when we serve. So here's the fifth core value out of our six values on the screens. If you want to write it down, it'll serve as our big idea. And it's this, it matters that no matter what you do in the church, it matters just the same for the church. That no matter what you do in the church matters just the same for the church. That one wire didn't seem to matter, but, but once it was gone, it affected everything else. And in the church, there are positions that might seem to people to be insignificant or unimportant, but they make the biggest difference in the church. That we truly do believe here at Element that, that the person in the pulpit is no more valuable than the volunteer in the parking lot 
That, that yes, the, the weight or the responsibility or the expectations or the standards might be different for certain positions, but the impact remains the same. Like we don't background check every volunteer, but we do background check every kid's volunteer. Anybody who's, who's going to work with money, count money in the church, we background check them. The safety team, they get background checks. There's different standards for different levels of volunteering, but the impact is the same. That, that there's a reality in the church, okay, that not every place in the church is for every person, but every person has a place in the church. That's good preaching right there. That not every place is for every person, but every person, no matter who you are, has a place in the church. And listen, I know that we have people here, you're not, and you're not even sure yet whether this is your church home or not. We even got people here that you would say you don't even believe in God yet. And man, it is awesome that you are here. We love it that you are here. And I hope you understand that, that this message is not a demand that you do anything for the church. You don't have to ever serve in the church ever, and you'll still be loved exactly the same whether you serve or not. I hope that you will see by the time we're done that this message really is a demonstration that when someone serves in the church, it matters. It matters when you serve. That we need everyone if we're going to accomplish everything that God has for us. So it's easy to say, right, it matters what you do. It's super easy to say, how do I know? That's the big question for today. How do I know that what I do matters? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, the fifth book of the New Testament portion of the Bible. So we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, don't worry about it. All the verses are on the screens uh, here that we're going to read today, so you can follow along there. And if you happen to come and you don't own a Bible, we give them away every single week. It's one of the favorite things we do is give away Bibles. So if you want one, uh, ask for one at guest services. We'll give you a Bible free of charge today. Acts 6, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read uh, all seven verses, and then we're going to break it down. Chicka, chicka. So verse 1 says this. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. And it sounds a lot like churches I know of today, doesn't it? So let me give you a little bit of background information of what's going on here. This would have been, at the most, probably a few short months after Jesus had risen from the dead. And this church now, the first Christian church, had grown from 11 disciples to 120, then 3,000, and the last number recorded in Acts says there were 5,000 men who believed, not counting women and children. So in a few months at most, the church had grown from 11 to potentially, if you include women and children, 15,000 people in the church. Rapid, massive growth, and there were rumblings of discontent. Here's what they were upset about. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, dear brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, which is a sure sign God was among them, right? And they chose the following. So here's the seven men. 
Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parnemus, Parmenas, if you're looking for some names for your kid, here's some suggestions, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And this next word, the key word, I believe, to the whole passage, so. Everyone help me out and say so. It's not like a teenager. So, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Isn't that a cool story? Awesome story in Scripture. So no matter what you do in the church matters just the same for the church. But how do I know that? How do I know that what I do matters? Well, there's three things we'll see in this passage that were true for the church in Acts. I believe they are true for the church today. And when you serve, it matters because number one is this, it frees people up to serve in their strength. It frees people up to serve in their strength. This is so, so important to understand that the apostles, they weren't opposed to running the food program themselves. They were already doing that. They just weren't able to run the food program and continue to preach the word of God as they were called. So, so in doing this, in assigning seven people to run the food program, it wasn't the apostles saying, wow, we are so important and that is so beneath us. We better find someone else to do that because we are way more better than everyone else. Let's find somebody else. No, they were saying, we want to continue to build God's kingdom beyond where it's at today. And the only way we can do that is by dividing up the ministry among the people. That it matters what you do. And here's why this is important. The apostles, as I said, could have kept running the food program. They were willing to do that. But if they would have kept running the food program, someone else, they would have kept someone else from serving in it. Even someone else who could do it better than they did. So I'm going to pick one ministry in our church to highlight just for a moment. Okay, we could highlight any of our, of our departments in the church. But do you realize that we have people who serve in our e-kids ministry who are not only great at it, they love it. They love serving in the kids' ministry. I was just talking with one of the men who serves in our kids' ministry this, this last week. I was having lunch with him, and, and he was telling me, this guy, he had, he had been a teacher in one of our kids' rooms, but then he kind of got elevated up into this leadership position in e-kids, which took him out of the classroom, and he was kind of leading the people who led the classrooms, and he started missing his teaching in the, in the kids' rooms. So he went to our e-kids director, Stephanie, just this last Last week, and he told her, hey, can I, can I kind of get out of this leadership spot? I want to be back in the classroom teaching these kids. And he told me over lunch, he said, I love it. He said, I love teaching kids every week. And some of us are, first of all, like, what are you smoking, right? Like, I don't want to be back there with those kids. But listen, be, because, because he's serving where his strength is, it frees other people up to serve where their strength is. That there are people who serve in e-kids and love it. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. I don't got to be back there. But there are people back there right now. And listen, because there are people teaching our children, it frees me up to do what I do best, which I think is what I do best. It's just right here teaching all of you on Sunday that together we need each other, right? 
We need each other. In fact, I think it goes deeper than that. We belong to each other. That's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8 says this. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. That's the church. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God's given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Which, by the way, prophecy is what I'm doing right now. The gift of prophecy is boldly declaring the word of God in the present day. So I believe my gift is prophecy, and that's what I get to do every single week. And then it says this, if you get to serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, like in E-Kids, teach well. If you get to encourage others, which many of you have this gift, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly that we all belong to each other so that we can build up the church. Amen? Amen. Belong to each other. And when one person serves in e-kids, it frees somebody else to serve in hospitality, which frees somebody else to serve in the living room, which frees somebody else to serve in the parking lot, which frees me up to serve in the pulpit. We all belong to each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says this, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. And listen, you know what that means? It means the gift of prophecy or preaching is no greater than the gift of serving in the kids' ministry. There's a danger in the church that we've elevated the pulpit at the expense of every other position. And yes, there might be, as I said, different weight, responsibility, expectations, or standards, but the impact remains the same. Why are all gifts the same? Because the same spirit gives the gifts. We don't choose what gift we have. God's doling out the gifts, so they're all equal. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So the apostles could have, they could have kept running the food program, but it would have kept someone else from serving in it. And we'll see the significance of that here in a moment. It won't last very long for anyone to try to do everything in the church, will it? It won't last long. Now, there's pastors who try. <laughs> there are pastors who try to do everything in the church. It doesn't last long. There are churches who expect their pastor to do everything in the church. That won't last long either. And there are sometimes lay people, volunteer people in the church that think it's their calling to do everything in the church. It won't last. We're not designed that way. We are a body. We're a body. So just that's, a why Jesus, that's why God used the body as an illustration because a hand can't be an ear, an ear can't be an eye, an eye can't be a foot. We work together, we function together as a body. So as a follower of Jesus, you've been given a gift. That gift is meant to build up the body, the church. And when you serve the church, not only are you serving for the glory of God, but you are freeing up other people to serve in their strength. It's this beautiful this beautiful picture of, of all these different people working together towards a common goal. Then the second thing I see here that, that shows us uh, that we know what we do matters is this. It fuels the gospel to spread. And when I serve, it fuels the gospel to spread. Again, I think the key word 
in all seven verses of our scriptures, the first word of verse seven, the word so. Look at it again, Acts 6, 7, the first part of it, we'll call it 7a. So, because these people were serving, God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but I hope the numbers of believers greatly increase in our midst. Amen. I hope the message continues to spread in our community and and beyond. And one of the reasons the early church accomplished this was by dividing up the ministry among the people. And to me, this verse implies, it implies that if the apostles had not allowed other people to serve in the ministry, or if these other people would not have been willing, the message would have slowed down instead of spread. That the reason the message spread was they included other people in the ministry. So I started doing some digging on the seven men assigned to the food program. Never thought much about it until I'm teaching on it in, in a message. And I started wondering, is there any significance to these seven men beyond the food program of Acts chapter 6? If you're familiar with the Bible, you know Stephen's kind of a big deal. But you wouldn't want to use Stephen uh, for a big volunteer push in the church, right? Because if you know the Bible, in the next chapter, chapter 7, Stephen gets stoned. And not the fun kind. Like the throw rocks at you till you die kind. That's what happened to Stephen. Stephen was the very first martyr for being put to death for his faith in Jesus. Now there's significance to the story of Stephen. Because we are told that when Stephen was killed, when he was stoned to death, that persecution began to run rampant. And the believers in Jerusalem scattered across the entire region, taking the gospel everywhere. That if it wouldn't have been for the persecution, they probably would have stayed in Jerusalem very safe and sound. So there's significance there, but it's not really good for a volunteer push. Although it'd be a super cool shirt, it might work. You can have a shirt that says, volunteered element, you might get stoned. <laughs> hey, it's a place to call home, man, right? We love you for who you are. Okay, that, that was not good. But here, so the, you, have, you have Stephen, not going to use him. And then you have those weird names, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and, and then Nicholas is normal name, but he's in there. Like, I can't find anything else about them in all of the Bible. If you know of something about them, I'd love to know. I couldn't find anything. But then you got this guy, Philip. There's Philip. And Philip apparently is just this dude attending the Jerusalem church a lot like you might be attending Element Church. And the place is blowing up, continuing to grow. The apostles ask him if he wants to serve in the food program, and he does. So in Acts 6, he, he serves in the food program. Two chapters later, Acts chapter 8, I don't know how long uh, the time span would have been, but in Acts chapter 8, Philip, because persecution now is rampant, Philip flees Jerusalem like everyone else, and Philip goes to Samaria and tells people about Jesus. Many put their faith in Jesus. Then the Lord told Philip, I want you to go down the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. So while on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, Philip meets a man from Ethiopia, who we are told had great authority in the country, the land of Ethiopia. So Philip starts his conversation about Jesus with this Ethiopian who then puts his faith in Jesus. Then Philip baptizes him right on the side of the road. And when he came up out of the water, the Bible tells us that the Lord snatched Philip away. That literally is super weird, but I believe it says that Philip apparently disappeared and then appeared in the town of Azotus. Now I'm glad that does not 
not happen during baptism here. Can you imagine Pastor Steve dunking somebody in the water, comes back out and boop, boop, Steve's gone. Like, where'd Steve go? And then he calls us up, hey, I'm in Casper. I'll be there in a few hours. Hold on. So he did that, so he appears in Azotus, and then he, he preached in Azotus, and we are told he preached in every town from Azotus all the way to Caesarea, where he remained, as far as we know, for the rest of his life, preaching and teaching the gospel. In fact, to about 20 years later, in Acts chapter 21, the apostle Paul is on his final evangelistic journey, and he shows up in Caesarea and actually stays with Philip, who now has four grown daughters who are prophets of God. That's a whole other subject we're not going to get into today, but here they have the gift of prophecy and preaching in the New Testament. So here's Philip. Like, think about it. Here's Philip. He started a church in Caesarea. He preached in every town between there and Azotus. He preached in Samaria, where who knows, out of all those places, how many people put their faith in Jesus. He was a part of the conversion and baptism of this Ethiopian, who many scholars believe that Ethiopian took the gospel back to his country, Ethiopia. Some scholars call this Ethiopian the father of evangelism in Ethiopia. So this is so huge, okay? I've never made this connection before. Blew me away. I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just saying, what if? What if Philip had never been asked to serve in the food program? If he was never asked or allowed to serve in the food program, he may have never been willing to to preach in Samaria, to baptize the Ethiopian, to start a church in Caesarea, or to raise four young daughters who become prophets of God to their community. Who knows the amount of impact that would have been lost if the apostles never allowed Philip to serve in the food program or if Philip would have said no. The impact is exponential that he made in his life. So here's the connection. Whenever you serve in the parking lot or whenever you show up early at church and make coffee, God bless you greatly. <laughs> whenever, whenever you check kids into e-kids or change diapers in the nursery or, or put lyrics on a screen or run a camera, whatever it is, whatever it is you do in God's church, you're not just doing those tasks. Perhaps, perhaps you are setting yourself up or setting someone else up to take the message of Jesus somewhere or to someone it's never been before. It matters what you do. That today in this room or in our kids' rooms, we have no idea who is sitting in our presence that today might be the day God breaks through to their heart or today might be the day that God calls someone into something great for him. We don't know what God does when we serve. All I know is it matters what you do. Matters what you do. That no matter what you do in the church matters just the same for the church. And how do I know that? Because it frees up people to serve in their strength. It fuels the gospel to spread. And then the last one, number three, is this. It finds the most unlikely of people. That when you serve, it enables the church to find the most unlikely of people. Now, I'll admit this one is a stretch, okay? It's a stretch. 
but it stands out to me nonetheless. That after the apostles chose seven men to run the food program, after the men ran that program, after the apostles focused on prayer and, and teaching, after all that, we're told the number of believers greatly increased and the message continued to spread. And then we see this, Acts chapter 6, verse 7b. I believe God does not put anything in Scripture by accident. Okay? This stood out to me. And many of the Jewish priests were converted to. That's huge. That's huge. The, again, it's a stretch, okay? It's a stretch. I just, I just wonder. I wonder if these priests saw normal people, I put that in quotes, if they saw normal people involved in the ministry and it helped lead them to their own conversion experience. Let me explain, okay? The priesthood among Jewish people was a sacred position. Not just anyone could be a priest. Not just anyone could serve in the church, in the temple. Like you, first of all, had to be born into the right family. You, had, you were a priest by birth. And then in that family, you had to be the cream of the crop to even rise up and be, and be priest. Like not everyone was able to serve. It was, it was the chosen few, spiritually elite, and they loved it. People looked up to the priest as something different or special, and they weren't allowed to be a part of the ministry. But here, here in Acts 6, the early church, they started allowing all believers to be in the ministry. So this was a foreign concept to these Jewish people, especially Jewish priests. Now, for many of these priests, for many of the Jewish people, this is actually part of what caused them to oppose the church because the very first church that followed Jesus started tearing down all the old traditions, rituals, sacrifices. In fact, this is what led Jewish people of the day to hate the church and to stone people like Stephen, but for others. Again, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to the most unlikely of people. For others, I just wonder if the use of everyone in the ministry opened them up to the message of the ministry. Let me put it into our terms. And this is true for our church, okay? That when the church includes everyone, it's a sign that anyone can receive the message. That when the church includes everyone, it's a sign that anyone can receive the message. Now, this might, some people may not like this about our church, but it's going to tell you. We have positions in our church where you can serve even when you don't believe yet. You can serve here at Element even if you don't believe yet. Now, you can't serve in every position if you don't believe. Like, you're not going to be teaching e-kids if you don't believe. Hello. That would be called stupid. But one of my favorite stories, we're 10 years in as a church, this October, 10 years. One of my favorite stories of all time in our church is when we had someone who we knew, they didn't believe, they were very, uh, they were very um, adamant that they didn't believe, but they were running one of our cameras on Sunday. And while they were operating a camera, they gave their life to Jesus. Yeah. Everyone can be included. 
so that anyone can accept the message. Anyone. Again, not every place in the church is for every person. But make no mistake about it, at Element Church, every person has a place. Every person has a place. So how do I know that what I do matters? Well, it frees people up to serve in their strength. It fuels the gospel to spread. And it finds the most unlikely of people that anyone can receive the message because everyone is included in the church. So if you are part of a volunteer team already, you are truly my heroes. Like so many of you serve so consistently, faithfully, sacrificially, you are heroes in this church. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for serving, using your gifts to build up the body of Christ. And I hope this message encouraged you that what you do matters. But maybe you're here today, you're like, yep, this is my church home, but I've not found my place yet. I've not connected. I want to connect you. So immediately following this service, we are having what we call the volunteer. We do it once a month. So five minutes after the service, we're going to meet right down front here, and we'll have a staff member or a volunteer who will literally give you a tour of every volunteer area in the church. It takes about 15 minutes to go through. And by attending the volunteer, you're not committing to serve. You're just seeing what's available, okay? And then if you want to get connected into into a team, you don't have to serve every service. You don't serve every week. Like we work with you around your schedule and your gifting. If you sign up for a team and you find out, man, those people are crazy, which happens. Like I want a different team. We'll put you on a different team. Like we're, we will accommodate you for where uh, you can serve the best. So come to the volunteer if you're not yet connected or you can go to the Next Steps wall and you can sign up to volunteer there or on our website. And we got volunteer positions outside of Sunday too. You can serve during the week in the office. You can serve at Fusion. You can serve as a small group leader. I mean, there's all sorts of places you can serve. We just, I would encourage you to come to the volunteer to find out those places. So that, that's the first thing. The second thing I want to address is many of you already know this, but for those of you who don't, I just want to share some things. Uh, today is uh, my last Sunday before I leave for a three-month sabbatical. So our church has blessed my wife, our family, and I at 10 years into this ministry with a sabbatical break from, from ministry. So for the next three months, uh, I'm not going to be here. I'm literally going dark. Like the staff does not have my new phone number. We change our phone number, email, everything. Like we are completely unplugging from ministry to refresh and re-energize and just get renewed and come back, I pray, for the next 10 years of ministry to see what God does here. And I, I don't remember planning this message to fall on this Sunday. I knew we were going to do a series on our core values. I literally can't think of a more appropriate message than this one on my last Sunday before my sabbatical because our church is not built on Jeff Manis. It's built on Jesus Christ and his people who serve in it. Yeah. So so I might be going away for three months, but the Holy Spirit's still here. And you're still here to, to do your part in the church, to build up the body of Christ. And I can't think of a greater opportunity for us to model to our community and model to other churches and literally to kick the devil in the teeth and say, the pastor may not be here, but the purpose still remains. The purpose of the church remains with or without this guy right here. But the purpose for us is here. It's us together. 
building up the body of Christ. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being an amazing church. Like the, the response of encouragement and support and love has been overwhelming for us. Every comment's been positive about this sabbatical. And that's not true for everyone. It's not true for every pastor. There's a buddy of mine in our denomination, um, our superintendent, went to his church like he came to ours and suggested this and so he same age as me similar ministry cycle and whatnot and our our superintendent went to my buddy's church and said hey what do you guys think about giving your pastor a sabbatical and they're like no nah, he did not he didn't need one it's just demoralizing so thank you for being so so positive it, it has made it so much easier for our family to know that you support us. And I just want you to know we support you back. I, I'm already saying I can't wait to be back. I haven't even left yet. Um, I would buckle up if I were you my first Sunday back because three months for me without preaching is gonna drive me insane. But I might take the full hour on that Sunday night, I don't know. But th thank you guys so much for your support. And I uh, just would ask you to pray for our family while, while we're gonna be kind of disconnected. And we'll be in town some, but we're gonna travel and go see family and just love on our, our kids for this couple months, and we're just so, so grateful for that, and we'll be praying for you as well. I, I fully believe, I had somebody ask me, not from Element, another pastor asked me, aren't you afraid that attendance will decline when you're gone? And I, I was like, I hope not. Like, listen, if you only attend Element Church because I'm preaching, you attend for the wrong reason. You attend for the wrong reason. We have some great communicators who are going to be preaching. Our lead producer, Taylor, is going to be preaching. We're letting our youth pastor out of the cage. Pastor Brendan will teach a couple times. Uh, my dad is preaching four times, and he is an amazing preacher. Pastor Andy's preaching. we got a guest coming in from Voice of the Martyrs to share about Voice of the Martyrs. I mean, it's going to be incredible. And I truly believe, I believe this because I know who you are. I believe that I will come back at the end of my sabbatical, and our church will be stronger and we'll be healthier than we've ever been. Why? Because this church doesn't need me. It needs Jesus. And it needs us together, the body of Christ. I love you guys so much. I'm going to miss you greatly. But I know the best is still yet to come. And we're going to see God do great things this summer. Let me pray for you. And then remain seated. Pastor Steve's got two quick closing remarks if the Lord doesn't make him disappear. God, we thank you so much for uh, just allowing, Lord, we laugh in church, we have fun, we're inspired. Lord, I pray today would be inspirational for us. Lord, help us to know that what we do matters. God, as we head out into a brand new season of ministry for our church, I ask you, Lord, that you would do greater things than we've ever seen. God, we love you, give you praise, in Jesus' name, amen.